Welcome to the Ask the Church Collective podcast, episode number six. In this episode, we talk about how we can take that big worship sound that we hear on the albums and do it in our churches. And we also really get into the heart behind the song selection and the importance of having a relationship with our senior pastor. We had Chris from the Brothers McClure join us for this conversation, which was just fantastic. He's had his feet kind of in both worlds. Um, if you haven't heard their music, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's just some really, really cool stuff. But the idea is that you have to focus in on what's going on in your church and what music they need to sing. Um, and it's just so important to foster a relationship with our congregation. So we're going to jump right into the conversation with the Ask the Church Collective podcast, episode number six. Yeah, so I, I was we were, I was leading worship at a bigger church and um, had been kind of writing uh, some of the earlier records that we had done were kind of more in that vein of I guess you would call like anthemic sounding worship songs and um, it was working good in the context that we were in and, and all that and then probably about three years ago I relocated to a a uh, smaller church that was in kind of a rural area, uh, small town folk, uh, where basically the person that was my predecessor was a lady who just played the piano and uh, played hymns, you know, on her on the piano. And so me coming in was kind of a big, was a big switch from what they were used to. Um, and so I had, I guess was playing the songs that I'd always played and written and um, songs that I would, you know, covers that I would naturally do by, you know, uh, Hillsong and Desperation Band and Paul Balash. But I was finding that it really wasn't uh, connecting so much with the people, uh, being that they were kind of time, kind of in a time capsule of, you know, still being stuck back in the 70s or whatever. Um, so they weren't really acquainted with a whole lot of the current trends, worship trends. So I tried to figure out a way to, to um, connect with uh, them and, you know, find a way to help them uh, move along from the space that they're in, but also have something that was familiar for them. So uh, just started leading more so around, we call it around the mic, or it was just uh my brother and I and our guitar player just around a microphone uh, leading worship. And we just kind of started leading in that context of, of more kind of simple and uh, straightforward and started kind of writing songs that were, I guess you'd say, trying to write songs that were uh, in the gospel tradition of things, um, uh, of songwriters that were writing kind of gospel music in the, the sure. 60s and 70s, trying to help them find a way to connect and and move to the next spot. And so uh, that's kind of what got me um, onto the idea of doing, you know, a different kind of worship, I guess, uh, uh, worship leading, sure. which was more kind of conversational songs that were more... Uh, thinking songs that almost like the, where the lyrics are, are more like uh, statements about your faith and songs that were more, you know, thinking a little bit more about what you're saying sure. as opposed to just straight up declarative praise songs. Right. Um, and because I found that some of those praise songs, like uh, they just weren't working in that environment. And so 
I had to try to find ways to kind of help uh, them connect. And so that's kind of how the transition for us kind of uh, got us thinking more in, in the vein of, of, I guess you call them like gospel, Southern gospel writing, uh, where it's a little bit more harmony driven, uh, a little bit more like, hey, anybody could pick up a guitar and do this and just sing with 30, 40 people. Um, and so that's kind of what, I guess, in, in a short synopsis of what kind of led us from more of the anthemic approach to more of a stripped down thing. Sure. Do you feel like that was uh, difficult? Like, did you feel like you weren't quite doing it right because you had to move to that? Or was it more like an excitement? Like, yeah, this is, this is what our church needs. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, there was this, for me, I mean, the first couple months, I mean, they were willingly would go along with what I was doing. And I pretty much was just kind of doing the same thing that I had done in the previous church. And uh, they were very gracious and willing to kind of go along for the ride. But I wasn't really sensing that it was uh, striking a chord, uh, not only with them, but with the people that would show up to visit uh, the church. It just wasn't really connecting. And um, so it kind of was definitely was a natural progression um, and for and it definitely brought excitement because I think as a as a worship leader and a writer we're always trying to find ways to make things fresh and feel like we're um, hitting upon something that that feels like uh, not only holy ground but something that feels new uh, again you know like everything that's old kind of becomes new again at some point and recycles itself through a new generation of writers and people. Sure. And so I, that, that was kind of exciting to me because I was like, you know, wasn't sure really where to connect it in the worship vein of things as far as all the other writers that were out there, you know? Um, but so that was exciting. It was also kind of scary because, you know, but it's good in the sense that you write for your congregation uh, you write in ways that you that help you connect with God, um, and I think there's a little bit of a. I think it's interesting as writers that sometimes you know you see so much stuff on Facebook about. It's you know I just saw a post the other day and I'm not sure where it came from, but it was like, to abbreviate it was like, uh, it's not rocket science. You know, play songs that your congregation knows find ways to help the, the most amount of people in your congregation connect with God. Sure. You know, it was like a very, it almost sounded to me like it was written from a, from more from a pastoral perspective. And I think where worship in general is at at the moment is, you know, when a pastor gets up and shares from his heart and those moments in the service where he might take his glasses off or just stop and say, you know what, I got to be real with you. This happened this week or, you always sense that people are with him in that moment. You can almost hear a pin drop in the in the room. And so in my mind, if worship leaders were more personal about their own expression with God and kind of leading the way by that honesty before the throne and how David was in the Psalms, it I think it actually helps more people connect versus necessarily always relying on the fact that you have to play something that everybody knows or you have to sing something that the most amount of people can connect with. I think that kind of goes without saying. I think as a worship leader, that's always going to be in the back of your mind. But I also believe that if the Holy Spirit is on what you're doing, um, 
people will connect with it, even if it takes them, I mean, even if it takes them a little bit to kind of connect with it. I mean, you could probably hire, you could hire an African-American rapper to come into your church. And if the Holy Spirit's on it, and he's leading with authority, and he's shepherding the people into an experience, they'll go along with it, you know, once there's a trust built there. Um, so it, it, to me, it's kind of just an interesting, that whole kind of subject matter of, you know, new versus old or, you know, current trends. I mean, to me, it's more, it's, it's more of a, just a perspective of how you're leading people into God's presence, you know. Yeah. Have you got any advice for fostering that relationship with your congregation? Like, how do you get, how do you start understanding what they want or what would resonate with them? To be honest with you, I mean, a big, big way that I try to connect, and this could be uh, something that if you're new at a church or you're old at a church, it doesn't matter. It's a kind of a practice that I think is good. Um, Like, I'll lead in, I, I lead in three or four different places on a pretty regular basis, like once or twice a month. And what I've been trying to do lately is instead of having uh, people stand at the beginning of the service, I actually haven't, I actually talk to the pastor beforehand and I say, hey, would you mind if we do a song in the beginning where I just have them sit? I don't ask them to stand in the beginning and I just go out there with my guitar and I just say, hey, how you doing? Uh, so excited to be here with you. You might not know who I am or, you know, I just wanted to share some, a song that's on my heart and I just kind of want to sing it over you or sing it to you as a prayer. Um, when I do that and then, then I sing a song, it helps. I think it helps the people that are, you know, still coming in off the street and trying to get their head in the right place. Um, and, uh, it also helps them not feel like, as worship leaders, that we have to parade people into a fast response. We can almost approach it more from a, a singer-songwriter perspective, where maybe you have a song that you wrote that's on your heart, and you just want to sing it uh, to them. And I've been finding really great reception in that. And then I ask them to stand after the first song, and then we go into worship. And I feel like at that point, you've you've sang into the atmosphere, you've helped um, kind of foster a very open presence in the room. And then I think it allows for people to kind of engage easier because they see that you're not just trying to parade them into a quick response, that you're leading from a contrite place as well. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about your, your set crafting. Like, so you've, you've taken it there. What do you, what are you thinking about when you're preparing your sets? Um, I'm, I, I definitely like, will share, uh, songs with, um, if I can, with, with the pastor that I'm working with on the weekend um, and kind of share with him a little bit about like, hey, just this has been on my on my plate late recently and something I would love to kind of do is kind of open with this song. Um, and I, I do think about um, songs that will connect a lot with people. I You know, outside of like, context of Easter or Christmas, which kind of naturally have their built-in things, I don't necessarily put a ton of emphasis on um, set crafting as much as making sure that it's something that uh, is resonating with me personally. Because if it's not something that I'm resonating with personally, I can't expect other people to get behind it. 
you know, or to want to sing it with the same passion uh, that I'm singing it with. And I think sometimes as worship leaders, that's you, you run you run the risk all the time because you ask a lot of worship leaders, and I don't know how many worship leaders listen to worship music for out of pleasure for pleasure, or if they're just listening to records to try to find songs that uh, will resonate in their congregation. But at some point, those two need to connect. You know, like you need to find songs that uh, you're passionate about as well, not just songs that you think are going to help the people because. That's like telling the pastor to go up there and, and you know, uh, I want you to preach on, on this. But that might not be something that, you know, is where he's at at the moment or something that he's resonating with. And, you know what I mean? It just doesn't come out of as much of a sincere spot. That's true. As, as uh, if you were kind of, you know... You know, I would never tell a pastor how to plan his sermon. I would never tell him how to hear the voice of God. And I think whether you're a guest worship leader coming in or, you know, someone who's been there a long time, you'd hope that the people bringing you in have done their homework enough on what you do to trust you enough to bring you in to lead the people in worship, you know, and, uh, and vice versa. You know, I think that there can be more give and take uh, in how sets are created or how the dynamics uh, in the set work, you know, So, do you have any advice? I mean, maybe we can talk just in in your personal life. What does your your personal worship and devotion life look like? Because obviously, if that's not doing well, there's no way you're going to be able. Like, there's nothing you're going to be resonating with to bring to your congregation. So, you can maybe talk a little bit how you how you keep that up with with worship leading and touring and songwriting and you know everybody's got life, you know. But how, how do you how do you do that in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think I think. A lot of it just starts with, you know, picking up a guitar every day and kind of having concentrated time. Um, I find that I can't say my prayers to God like I can sing my prayers to God. When I sing, uh, it helps me open up other parts of my heart, I think, that emotionally and are open to change and allowing God to change me in the moment. So <clears throat> a lot of it for me is kind of just picking up a guitar and um, I think for a lot of worship leaders, you grew up in the church, um, so you, you you could spew off scripture all day long as far as, uh, you know, you can think of 10 passages off the top of your head, you know, if somebody asked you on the street. The reality is, is those things kind of coming back to you. So for me, recently, I was uh, singing that, just singing in my personal time of that scripture verse where Paul says, you know, the things... I do are not the things I want to do, you know, the things I don't want to do are the things that I do, you know, about sin. And I just kind of was singing that and just kind of started to cry and emotionally open myself up to it because there were areas in my life that needed change. You know, I was crying out to God for, for rest, you know, restitution in those areas. So I think a lot of it is for me is very organic. I don't, I don't necessarily approach it so much with, um, uh, discipline, you know, I, uh, I think there, I think for a lot of artists in general, discipline is a hard thing because you kind of blown by the wind and you kind of go with what you're feeling. Um, even when you're, when you're making plans. So for me, a lot of it is just kind of approaching it every day with, you know, sitting down and instead of jumping into writing, you know, reading a passage or just beginning to kind of sing my own personal 
part to the Lord, you know, that I don't really expect anybody else to be a part of, um, to, to reopen myself up to the same thing that I'm asking other people to do. Do like most of the songs that you guys write, do they come out of those, those quiet times? Maybe talk a little bit to your songwriting process. You know, are you, are you thinking about your church as you're writing them? Are you thinking about the church? You know, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of those things have been very convoluted over the last year. I think worship music in general has kind of become very much of a business. So sometimes for me, when I hear, hear those statements, like, you know, how do you come up with things? I don't really try to follow a format other than to follow when I wake up that day and I pick up my guitar and I sing and it's something that I'm personally resonating with in worship, you know, and I think, I think the, I think it's hard as worship, as worship writers, because if you or I sit down with a guitar and we automatically think about the church singing a song, we automatically start to sing in a certain way, or it has a certain sound to it. Like if I, if I sit down and try to think in my head, okay, I'm going to try to write something congregational. Generally, it's probably going to sound like a mix of U2 and uh, Paul Balash, um, because yeah. those are the people that I always looked to growing up as a as a worship writer. Sure. But at some point, when you get old enough, you kind of have to follow your own voice and follow the passages in Scripture that are leading you to a worshipful place, that are helping you connect with God. And so I believe that there is a that God is calling writers into that space to where worship music as a genre is very is still very much in its infancy. You know, we haven't we haven't really seen it's starting to now. I really believe that you're gonna see movements that are gonna rise up in every city that are all gonna have their own unique style and voice. Because I think now we're we're almost to that place where we're open to new ways of approaching the throne of God and new, um, fresh ways to kind of go about that where mm -hmm. it doesn't have to sound like, you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, but I'll write a song and I'll be like, I'll know right away if I could sing it in church and people resonate with it. If it has sure. a certain, there's a certain worship sound that I think all worship writers are accustomed to hearing or certain phrases that we're used to singing. Like, you know, forever we would rhyme fire with desire in a lot of worship songs. There's always these catchphrases that f that fly around in them, and and so I think a lot of it is we're in a fresh place where we can kind of remove ourselves from the pre uh, things that we think in our minds that need to go into a worship song and kind of approach it more from a, a heart condition, more from a heart place, and allow people to. I believe that God will create a movement out of that. I really believe that. And that there is room for more voices to rise up and to be a part of that conversation. And it's great that guys like you are coming along and helping foster that relationship with new writers and say like, Hey, let me, there, there are a lot of different ways to go about this thing we call intimacy with God and let's help uh, different people find a connection point, you know, um, but I think for, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's super, super important that you said, like you said there, that, um, while we try to emulate everything we hear, it's really important for us to try, try to find that voice, like try to find what's resonating in our church. And, you know, I keep just hearing like personal relationship with Christ and then, you know, strong relationship with our church and what they're doing. I think it's super, super important. 
Definitely. But a lot of that has to do with your pastor uh, of your individual church trusting you enough to lead a song that might not have the same pep and step that a Lincoln Brewster song might have, um, or ha- it might sound a little different. So for me, with a lot of that kind of folky, bluegrassy stuff that we've been playing, you know, I just had many conversations with my pastor about him being open to the ways that I that are really resonating and connecting in my own heart and leading other people out of that space. And he would be, you know, he would say, yes, we're trying to do some, we're not trying to emulate the church down the street. I think it's interesting that, you know, you could go to 15 churches in the United States and probably, especially the bigger churches, you probably hear, uh, sometimes hear some of the same songs being sung. And I think there are songs that come along that are super anointed that you just want to sing that prayer and you want to, you want to add that into your, your congregational uh, experience. And I think that's cool. But I also think that there's room for uh, churches to look different from each other. That just because it worked for Andy Stanley doesn't mean that God's not going to speak to your own congregation something new. Whether your church is only 100 people or 10,000 people, uh, I think a lot of it is helping, you know, reclaim that worshipful feeling, whether your church is small or whether it's big, that it still can have a movement of God happening out of it, whether it's, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but um, I think it's super important right now as, as, as writers to try to... Uh, to not only um, lead out of that place, but allow you know other writers to kind of lead out of that place. I mean, I don't really believe that you know I don't believe that everything that gets played on K Love or every song that gets popular was God intended. You know what I mean? I I think that's false to say that because you know like with anything, lots of hands get mixed up in it, and sometimes it can be less of that and more of a business move. So you can't always take what is popular and say, well, just because it's working there, I need to do it here, um, and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like you, you're kind of accountable for your own, for what you lead people in worship with and, and, and the realness from which you do that. Maybe talk a little bit to um, fostering that relationship with your pastor, too, just really get an understanding of what's going on at the church. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is just spending time with the pastor. I mean, I came from a church, a really big church, where it was really hard to connect with the head pastor because there were so many people on staff that the only time I really saw him were was when we were kind of critiquing the services or how they went. Um, I think it's super important to have a really, you know, have a a social relationship with the pastor where you guys, you know, go out to lunch once a week or, you know, spend time together um, doing things and kind of talking about ministry philosophy. Because I think um, it's very easy for worship leaders in America to really get stuck in a certain routine, a certain way that we, uh, a certain a certain type of songs that we sing, a certain type of way that we do things. And I think those things are always open to be, you know, revisited or to be changed or, you know, to be. So I think a lot of that comes out of 
a relationship with a pastor where he is open to your and trusts you enough uh, that you're not going to lead people down some weird road uh, in worship, but that you're going to try to you're going to help them connect with with God, you know, and um, for him to kind of trust that trust you in that. I think that's super important. The places that I lead, they don't ever tell me what to sing. I mean, the, the, the places I lead worship in are, trust me to kind of do that, um, which is, you know, which is interesting. Sometimes you're in a situation where the pastor wants to be around and to hear what songs you're going to pick and wants to have a say in that. And I think it's, you got to be really careful, man, because there's a fine line between pleasing the pastor and not pleasing what your spirit is telling you to do. And I'm not telling you to go up there and, and do something that is, uh, against what the pastor wants you to do. Sure. What I'm saying is that you really need to gain his trust so that he trusts you to do your job as, as you trust him to do his, um, and doesn't mean you don't collaborate on things or, Hey, what do you think of this song or things of that nature? But like the last church I was in, I found, towards the last year that I was there that I was, I'm, you know, I think I, I'm the kind of person that likes things to work. And for me, I don't like confrontation. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to do what the pastor wants me to do. And I'm going to play the songs that he likes. And I'm going to kind of lead by the way that he sees worship. And I just wasn't feeling it as much anymore. So I, I, I stuck on for another year. Yeah. Uh, and then just kind of bowed out. Like I, I didn't leave the relationship in a bad place. I just was like, man, you know, I think my time is, you know, and, and now the new guy that came in, they're much more open to, uh, I almost had to create a path for the next guy to come in to kind of, unfortunately, a lot of worship leaders go through that where they go to jobs and, and, you know, or they move halfway across the country and, and then they end up out of a job in three sure. months because the relationship with the pastor wasn't wasn't right you know and i think a lot of that is because you got to have some of those real conversations going into it you know before you put yourself out there because he knows that you're less effective when you're just listening to everything he's telling you to do um he knows that you have to have a connection with god and to hear what he's trying to tell you to do so i just think it's a really fine line when you start saying things like well, I'm doing this and I'm serving my pastor and he wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Right. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're, if you're continuously doing that and not leading out of your own place that God's called you to and the, the style that he wants you to lead from, if, if the pastor doesn't get that, then you're going to be way happier at a church of 50 people that does get that versus a church of 6,000 where, you know what I mean? Where there's a lot of political things at play behind the scenes. Yeah. That's super important. You know? Yeah. So do you have any, uh, we can cap it off with like maybe just encouragement for new worship leader, just got themselves a position uh, or maybe they're just volunteering and, you know, first, first little bit on a platform. You got any, any advice for them as they're getting started? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, heck everybody loves hymns. You know, I, th- I think there's been a resurgence of that. So I don't think anybody will be upset if you start leading m- most out of just doing hymns. I mean, I think everybody loves the hymns. Um, I think so for a guy starting out, I mean, that's always a, is always a safe place to start, you know, 
and um, and then be able to kind of branch out from there and um, add other songs and sounds uh, to to your kind of palette of way of the way that you lead. That I think is just a natural progression of where you're at. So, you know, I, I think there is something to be said about uh, if if you're bold enough to go up there on your first weekend and have them all sit for the first song and play a song they've never heard just so that they hear your heart through your singing is really cool because I think that also gives them something that they don't get every week, something that they're not used to having. And it kind of shows right off the, right out of the gate, what you do. Um, If you're bold enough to do that, not every worship leader is bold enough to go in front of a crowd of people and, and, and lead, out of a you know lead songs that they've never heard, right? And but do it out of a out of a place of love and helping them connect. And a lot and a lot of that is dictated by the amount of time that you have. If you if you only the problem in America is we have like fifteen minutes of worship. You know, I don't look at that as like I sit around all day and 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 negatively say that we only have fifteen minutes. But I think at the same time. Um, I think the real change in church happens through worship. Um, I think I have a really hard time paying attention to a pastor for more than 20 minutes, to be honest. And I don't know if it's just where we're at in our culture. It's really hard to sit down and listen to somebody talk unless they're a very dynamic speaker. Um, And so I think the beauty of music is it's a little bit more mysterious, but it can touch people in ways that speaking can't. And it can hit chords in your heart. It can remind somebody of something in their childhood that they forgot about. It can take us back to places in our minds. Yeah. And I think, and, and in our hearts. And so for me, um, half sometimes half the places, like we've been going back into cities now as Brothers McClurg, and we're, you know, places that we've been two and three and four times. Like um, we're going to be doing all the national worship leader conferences this year in Kansas city and different places. And we're getting pastors together and saying, Hey, let's do something that's not in a church. Let's meet in a local venue. Let's meet in a bar and, and let's sing to God together. And um, I think there's room for uh, worship to kind of take on a new branch and a new life of its own. I think inside the church, the main problem right now that I see is just that, 15 minutes is really hard, man, to like take people from point A to point D in their, in their music. So our hands are tied. You know, we have one song, you have greeting and announcements, and then you have, you know, then basically you're starting over again because through the greeting and the announcements, people have, their minds have drifted. Now you basically have to start again in that three song set to try to get them by the third song to a place of worship. And I would say, you know, to pastors, even more than worship leaders, encourage pastors to let their worship leaders lead from a sincere place and find ways to open that up more and let the music kind of speak to people's souls. Because I don't think in the times that we're living that a guy standing up on a stage you know, shooting a lot of truth at people is necessarily going to change people unless their hearts are already close to the place where they're ready to accept the gospel. I mean, just a a short little tangent, but you remember Bob Dylan, he did three gospel albums, right? I mean, you've, I don't know if you knew that, but he did, 
he did three albums. One was called Saved, and one was called Slow Train Coming. And to be honest, as a as a Christian writer, I actually resonate the least with his Christian albums. Um, and I say that because I he, he had just become a Christian, right? And mm-hmm. so he was standing up on stage and basically throwing a lot of truth at people, but he hadn't had time to really live out those truths and to find uh, Jesus in the doubting part of his life. Um, and so when I hear just the Bob Dylan song, most of the time there's like Christian and spiritual undertones to those songs that make me think about Jesus, the mysterious part of Jesus. And he's just kind of vamping lyrically on things that he's thinking and going through in life. I think in music and in worship, we need to allow truth to be mixed with the suffering side of Jesus, the doubting side of ourselves, like the Thomas side of that we all have in our flesh, because those are on-ramps for people, because then they realize, wait a second, this guy doubts too, or this guy's had moments of fear? Man, I can relate to that. And then you get to the chorus where you're singing a victorious chorus back into praise, and all of a sudden, all these people are with you that maybe weren't with you at first. And I relate that back to the Dylan story of saying that if all we're doing on stage is just giving a lot of truth to people without helping them connect that truth to their daily lives, we're, I think in the culture that we're living in, we're going to become less relevant rather than owning up to the fact that we all have struggles, owning up to the fact that we don't. I think it's interesting that the church, that we want to look like the people that have all the answers, you know. We, we, the pastors want to say, well, this is, you know, this is truth, and we proclaim it with such fervency. And I think the Lord uses that. I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is that people connect way more when you are just real and honest with them and say, you know what, I don't, we, as the church, we don't have all the answers. We don't know when the next big move of God is going to happen. But we're, we're here together experiencing something that's greater than ourselves. And the fact is, is that I had I met with a guy the other day, and I'll close by saying this. And he he was a Christian. He's a worship. He was a worship leader who was a Christian. Uh, and I I actually grew up looking up to the guy. And he said, you know, I I actually am agnostic now. I don't really believe in it. If Jesus, I don't know if he really walked the earth. I don't know if I believe all of it. And we got into this whole conversation about. Uh, Jesus calling Thomas when he said, you know, you have doubts, but I want you to come with me. I want you to follow me still. And um, me and this guy are actually going to sit down and write some worship songs together. And I really believe that God's going to, is going to move through that because I'm not trying to push truth on this guy. I'm just trying to sing from my soul. And I love when Jesus says, blessed are those who don't, who haven't seen, but yet believe. And I think the greatest tool that we have at our disposal is the fact that when you sing to God, there is something deep and enriching enriching that happens that doesn't happen when you're just singing a song about a girl. There, and most musicians, even non-Christians, will, will feel that same presence. Where they get tripped up in is trying to figure it all out in their brain. And like, well, how does God exist? And how does... So I think if we can tap into connecting with people on that deeper level of tapping into their hearts and their conditions 
and turning it back into praise, leading continually leading them back to the throne. I think we're gonna we would see a, a better response in our worship rather than uh, always just standing up there and singing truths. Which there's something powerful in that, but there's something really powerful. I think when you stand up there as a worship leader and say and sing, you know what I mean. I don't if if any of that kind of made, I mean this is kind of a topic unto itself but <laughs> sure yeah no I think that's probably a fantastic place we can cap it and then maybe try to do another one here in a month or so yeah uh, as we see feedback and the questions that come up for this this is super good yeah a lot of a lot of good practical stuff I love it thanks man that's it for this week's episode please head over to thechurchcollective.com and connect with us we want to connect with you and connect you with others 